Welcome to Season 2 of This Is Me. My name is Siobhan. In Season 1, we met everyday Australians and they shared with us their life-changing moments. In this new season of This Is Me, we not only have a new logo, but we have 10 inspiring stories that will hopefully let you walk a mile in someone else's shoes. If you have a story you would like to share, you can DM us at This Is Me Podcast on Instagram. This week we hear a Brisbane mother's story. Hi, I'm 40 years old. I'm married and we have a beautiful little girl that I will call Pinky. In her seven years, she's received multiple diagnoses around health and behavioural issues. My childhood was very normal. Um, I was the eldest of three and we grew up on the north side of Brisbane. Um, A very close family, I would say. Um, I remember we didn't have a lot of money, um, but that really didn't stop us from having anything in life. We didn't miss out on anything. I have a sister who is two years younger and a brother who is five years younger. I was a wedding coordinator for a very long time, and I would say I probably planned about 400 weddings. It was uh, a very stressful job and something that I just gave 110% to over the years. And I think, you know, anybody that does that job just loves it and works very hard at it. In the six months before I came to that job, three major events happened um, over that time. I was very close to my uncle who had special needs and he had cerebral palsy and schizophrenia and a whole list of things and he was actually one of my favourite people in the world and he passed away very suddenly in the home that he was in. Um, Three weeks later, uh, my dad actually passed away as well. Sorry. (laughs) He... He was a great man with uh, quite a big problem and he went to a Greek wedding with my mum where he just proceeded to drink a party's worth of alcohol and, uh, yeah, essentially drank himself into an alcohol-induced heart attack. We donated his organs through Donate Life and... um, hard. Um, The night of his passing, you get messages um, coming through from the hospital that tells you where his organs went. So it says, you know, his kidney just went to this person, his tissue just went to that person. And it's literally the only thing that is positive in that situation. A few months after that, we lost our wedding to Cyclone Yazi. And I think I had just, you know, worked through it, worked through it, worked through it. And your body can only take so much. When we had our wedding on the day, which was also actually a disaster, the weather pattern was still in the area. Cyclone Yazi hung around for quite a while. The weather was actually so bad on our wedding day that we got married in our hotel room. And our celebrant couldn't make it because a landslide actually stopped her from getting onto her boat. So she had to send another celebrant from another island. It was not great. We met on one of the Whitsunday Islands. We were actually staff up there. 
but I distinctly remember the moment I first saw him. And my husband is um, Sri Lankan Maltese heritage, so he has the most beautiful skin. And I walked into the staff diner of this particular hotel and he was doing a shift in the diner. And I remember he was looking over and I thought, that is the hottest dishwasher I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) (laughs) We always thought we'd have two kids. Um, I always knew that was on the cards and we'd sort of planned that out. But I distinctly remember one day just the urge coming over me greatly. I was just like, I just need to have a baby now, which I'd never felt before. But I was just like, yep, this is the time. And we were actually going to Europe. We had a Europe trip planned and paid for. And I remember saying to him, but we can go to Europe pregnant, can't we? And so that's what we did. It's not lost on me for a second that getting pregnant the first time around is a miracle and it doesn't happen for everyone. And so we were very lucky in that respect. The birth was actually really normal. She was two and a half weeks early. She was very small. She was only six pounds. But apart from that, you know, we'd had no problems in the pregnancy and the birth was relatively quick, I think, for a first time. And so it was a really positive experience. We started having issues within the first couple of weeks, as everybody does. There's always something that that pops up. And for us, like many other people, it was the feeding issue. Pinky wasn't able to feed very well. So we really devoted the first few weeks of our lives to expressing a 100% of the time. We went to a six-week check uh, with the paediatrician, which is very normal. And the only thing that came back from that was he said she's got a very loud heart murmur. And he said, look, it's probably nothing, um, but I'm going to refer you to the cardiology wing of the MARTA and I'll get you in there fairly soon. So that was six weeks old. By the time we got to see Dr. Ben, it was eight weeks. We went through the full check, so ECG, um, ultrasound, you know, all of the things. I think, you know now when extra people come into the room that it's not a good situation and uh, extra people came into the room and they said uh, she has a congenital heart defect, uh, which is why it's so loud, and it's uh, aortic stenosis. So aortic stenosis means that out of her three heart valves, two of the leaflets are stuck together and one is malformed. So it restricts the flow of blood to her heart. So we were to intervene uh, pretty quickly in that to give her better function and and that had actually explained why she couldn't feed and I think that was one of those moments where you know as a mum there was so much pressure put on for breastfeeding and not a lot of times do people ask is there a reason why they can't feed and I really really wish if I could go back in time um, that you could say you know What is that loud sound? Is there a reason why she can't do this? Rather than just being told you're not doing it right. I actually remember the exact spot I stood outside of the martyr. See, you hold it together when they tell you. I just think I got just outside the door, outside the martyr, and then you lose it. And then I remember thinking, I've just got this beautiful, perfect little baby and I don't want to lose her. Yeah. At eight weeks old, she had a balloon valvioplasty. They go up through the thigh, the leg, and they um, inflate a balloon in their heart to essentially stretch the valve to get better function. 
I think we were aware that that was the first of many and the smaller procedure. We still have ahead uh, the full valve replacement, which is a much bigger operation. And depending on whether they were to use a valve, a donor valve or a mechanical valve or um, an animal valve will determine how the shelf life of that valve for her. And there's always risk of infection or the body rejecting that valve as well. The next step in our journey was at seven months, daycare and me going back to work. She got sick straight away um, and she got sick for the first five weeks discontinuously. So like all kids going to daycare, she was just sort of sick and then well and sick and then well. By about week five, I remember taking her to the GP and just saying, you know, she's been sick quite a bit. I just want to double check. And the GP said, oh, I think you should take her to emergency. And I was like, really? And she said, yeah. We had not realised that she had stopped going to the bathroom and her organs were shutting down. And so we went into the martyr and um, they said, yep, you know, she's severely dehydrated and she's because of her heart and she's so little. RSV is a really common um, respiratory illness in children. Some it presents just as a cold and others it's quite severe and it requires hospitalisation. So she um, was put on a nasal gastric tube to feed her to make sure she got enough nutrients. And I still remember the screaming of that tube. Um, I think I'll actually remember the screaming of that for the rest of my life. We couldn't have her around uh, normal daycare. We couldn't have her around that many germs. So we switched to family daycare. I wouldn't say any other concerns popped up probably until about three or four and it was almost like the terrible twos kind of never went away and it was I don't want to go here I don't want to eat that I don't want to go to school it was like I don't I don't I don't all day long and that was every day all day I didn't notice other kids doing that you know other kids might push back here or there or have a bad day but for Pinky it was pretty constant from the minute she woke up to the minute she went to bed it was I don't I don't I don't um, it's very hard it is very hard I think I've tried every mode of traditional discipline that there is and none of it worked we had a lot of meltdowns and a lot of big emotions in our house over that time and there was lots of little things, I would just say a hundred little things that I would notice that were different that Pinky would do or that she wouldn't do and other kids would do. I would find it hard that we would say her name and she wouldn't respond. And I know a lot of kids, a lot of parents would say, oh, I, I said, that's the same with my kids. I'll say their name, you know, pick up your shoes or get to school and I'll say it two or three times. But for us, I would say it would be nothing to say her name 10 times or 15 times and she won't respond. And I know there would be some mornings where I would say her name and I would escalate with every time and my voice would get louder and louder and louder and by the 10th time she'd turn around and say, why are you yelling at me? And then burst into tears. <coughs> I'd walk away from that and then I'd feel terrible, just terrible and think... What is going on here? I don't understand. I don't understand how you can't hear me. What is going on here? Some of the other things we noticed about her was she was very forgetful. Um, we would lose things all the time. We were having trouble reading. 
we would read the lines of books and she'd read one word or one line and then she'd lose the attention and then we'd have to bring her back and then we'd do another line and then she'd be off again. One of our friends, one of our beautiful friends, has a daughter with ASD and I did notice a difference in the similarities between the two and I did notice at school the differences in the outgoing nature of other kids, in the confidence, in the eye contact in particular. We had a toy room in our house and we were trying to get her to clean her toy room, which always looked like a bomb's hit it. And she just couldn't do it. And we'd give her another week to do it and another week to do it. And she just couldn't. And I remember this one day actually crying, just saying, I don't understand how at the threat of even losing your toys and losing your toy room, you still won't do it. And she said, my body just can't. I sat down and I thought, something's not right here and it was actually the next week that I read an Instagram post from a mum blogger that I follow and she was talking about her parenting challenges and it was talking about inattentive ADHD and I just remember the tears going down my face and then I went to Google and then I started researching inattentive ADHD and I was like oh my god that's it And it was like a hundred things that we had just put off as being her personality or quirks or symptoms of this or that actually had a name and that was it. I just cried and cried and cried. A person with the inattentive subtype of ADHD has difficulty paying attention or staying focused. They often feel restless and they give in to impulses easily. They overlook or miss details leading to mistakes at work. They have or difficulty remaining focused during certain tasks. They do not seem to be listening or paying attention. They are often spoken to directly, disorganized, and have they poor lose time essential materials like schoolwork, wallets, phones, or keys. We just completely changed our parenting from that minute onwards. Got a referral to the most fantastic pediatrician who we see, and started the testing process. And the testing process is really a vulnerable time because you're, you think you know what it is, you're pretty sure, but you question yourself, you know, over and over again. And when the results came back in, he said, she's very ADHD. And like autism, there is a spectrum. There's um, people who have mild ADHD and people who have quite severe, and it impacts their life in a lot of ways. And for her, we were surprised that she had combined ADHD, which there's three different types. There's hyperactive, inattentive, and combined. So people um, with the combined type have both elements. And I know when you get a diagnosis, there's been a huge grief period, but there's also a great relief as well, because you can understand and it's a starting point and you can go from there. So I know now that I'm not a bad mum at all. I'm actually an excellent mum. At the same time as this diagnosis, we also were referred to another specialist. Pinky had a lot of issues with her teeth, and so we got sent to this fantastic specialist who deals with um, a lot of kids with anxiety and ADHD. And we went in, and he was very serious, and I knew just the sheer amount of things that he was saying to the nurse and all the different words that there was a lot He said she has enamel hyperplasia. It's a condition that is linked 
often to heart kids. So because they have less oxygen in their blood, it affects the enamel on their teeth. We had to get in uh, for an operation pretty quickly to avoid infection because if infection gets into the teeth, for heart kids it's really dangerous and can go to their heart and um, yeah, be really fatal very quickly. We got about two days' notice to go in uh, and she was in great form on the day. She was really in good spirits because we're so familiar with hospitals that she was fine. But when we went to go give the anaesthetic, uh, she hates strawberries and the gas was strawberry flavoured. A lot of times I don't tell you about fight or flight with kids with anaesthetic. So some kids do have a fight response and you do have to hold them down. Um, there was four of us holding her down. Uh, it's a really distressing thing to have to do. She's recovered well. Kids with heart defects really have to have good oral health. It's really incredibly important. I think the final, final challenge, most recently we've also been diagnosed with ASD as well, which is commonly partnered with ADHD. So ASD is autism on the spectrum. So it's been an interesting year. Do you plan to have any more children? The plan was always to have two. And I think the grief around her diagnosis and also the grief around only having one is quite great. And the reason why we choose to only have one, apart from our ages being 40 and 42, we have the one in 10 chance of being a heart kid. ADHD is quite hereditary, so we'd also have another quite high chance of having a child with either of those. And my husband also has, in his side, twins on both sides in every generation. <laughs> so you probably have three kids. Anyway. Probably have three kids. So I think there's times where you make a heart decision and there's times where you make a head decision. And for us at the moment, it's a head decision. My husband, he actually through this journey has found out that he has adult ADHD. So because it is hereditary, it often comes from the parent. And he started reading about that and thought, well, I do that when I was a child and I did that. Our life is very interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting, but it has helped him to come to his diagnosis and to understand why he does the things he does as well. I just want to see her happy and loving life. And it actually, for us, isn't about academics or being first or awards or anything like that. We're never going to be first on sports day. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um, so for her, I just want her confident and adjusted with a great social network and a future ahead of her and to not feel like she is any different from anybody else. And if she does, for those differences to be superpowers that ADHD is an asset. That's what I would like. There's some stains on your photo They all cracks on your rusty frame The Heart Kids Helpline provides support, advice and guidance for anyone affected by childhood heart disease. A friendly voice is just a phone call away for those times that you have a concern or a question and are not sure on who to speak to. Call them on 1800 432 
785 or at heartkids.org.au.